Welcome to episode 13 of Once Upon a Lifetime. Hello, welcome to this final episode of our Eunice Kennedy Shriver series. This is bittersweet for us because she is such an epic lady. We could keep on talking about her probably forever. There's only a million more anecdotes we would love to share with you. On the other hand, we are also excited to share with you our next subject, mystery subject. Now, you might notice in this episode, it is just Christina and myself. Sadly, personally sadly and podcastly sadly, our friend Christine had to move away for personal reasons far, far away. Uh, So Christina and I are just going to make the best of it. We are forging ahead and... We are now entering into the golden years of Eunice Kennedy Shriver's life. We are going to pick up with some awards she's winning. Um, We really recommend you go back and listen to the previous episodes. This is just kind of wrapping up a whole bunch of things we've already been talking about. She's she's starting to get some recognition for all of the inroads that she's made like in the 80s, in 1984, she is recognized by President Ronald Reagan with the Presidential Medal of Freedom. She's the first living woman on a silver dollar to benefit Special Olympics. She is in the National Women's Hall of Fame, and she gets her portrait in the National Portrait Gallery with her Special Olympic athletes surrounding her. And this is the first portrait that is not of a president or a first lady. Like, it's Eunice. How could she not be in the portrait gallery? Wow. Yes. I wouldn't be surprised if they wouldn't put her in here. She probably would have marched in with her own portrait and hung it right up. I could see that. You know, just because of the athletes, (laughs) she would have wanted it in there. And just... As a podcast aside, Reagan also awarded Audrey Hepburn the Presidential Medal of Freedom. That is really neat. It is really I didn't neat. know they had that connection. But it's really neat that she's starting to be kind of recognized for how important her work is. But in no way is she going to sit down and rest on those laurels and say, gosh, I've really achieved a lot. I'm just going to enjoy my life now and no. rest because she has no faith in the government letting things that's right she knows any kind of especially political accomplishments are always temporary so she knows she has to keep fighting the fight and she just keeps going back in now at the same time that she's getting all of this recognition she's now in her 60s all of a sudden the kennedy siblings are a little upset that she has been in charge of the foundation for so long and that they haven't had a chance to use any of this charitable giving money for the for other things. I mean, right. it seems really ridiculous to me, frankly, that all of a sudden they care. But I suppose sometimes it takes a long time for people to mature. Uh-huh. But it just seems kind of crazy. Like, why, if, why were you not upset about this 20 years ago, right, 30 years ago? The direction that it's going. But I guess maybe their political careers are starting to wind down a little bit, like, Maybe, Ted, maybe. Ted well, was never get... going to make a presidential, Mm-mm. you know, Not he wasn't going to succeed in whole... there. No, he was too problematic. And right. um, which, you know, it's unfortunate, but 
Right. So they do? decide that, to compromise. Eunice is not going to let go of the reins, but right. it's not just power that she wants to keep. It's because she and Rose both agree strongly. And I think it's been proven that Joe, who set up the foundation, mm-hmm. really did want a big focus. He wanted it to be focused in one direction. But he didn't word it that way in his will. The will just kind of left it to interpretation. He just said that the, the foundation should kind of keep contributing and focusing on the issues that it had been. And so that you could kind of turn that around and say, well, that focus has never been defined. And so the other siblings, so Ted and Jean and Pat are saying, listen, what about the presidential library? What about the Robert F. Kennedy Memorial? What about the Kennedy Center of the Performing Arts? Or the last one, I kind of scratched my head because I'm thinking, okay, those are legitimate kind of questions. Maybe there's room for that. But they also want to renovate the Hyannis Porthouse. And I'm thinking, really do you not have the money to renovate that house they yourselves? do like right they do have the money. right i'm like this this does not seem well legit and that's what rose me. rose gets into it too mom right. yes gets into it and says um you all can pay for that yourself right this is yes. ridiculous you have trusts you're gonna pay you know yes. rose is is protective as well as eunice it's not just eunice at this point no and and eunice and, and sarge are digging in their heels and they're saying listen if we start handing out money to all of these different directions it dilutes the mission it changes the focus where we're not really about helping the mentally disabled anymore we're not really about like we have the strength our strength is our focus. And if you start to kind of fracture that, we're not going to have that same strength anymore. There's no other foundation. There's no government agency besides the ones that we've set up that are doing the work that we do. And if we start to let our attention wander all over the field, we're not going to achieve the things that we've been achieving. That's right. And that's not what dad wanted. So they compromise and they say, the grandkids can come up with proposals and get up to $50,000 if they have kind of a viable idea with how to use it. Because then that way it can, there's some flexibility in the mm-hmm. mission, but it is also training the next generation Absolutely. to be do-gooders. And Eunice can do that. That is something that she can yes. get on board with. Absolutely. It's a very good idea. It just doesn't really go very far. There's a couple of things some of the kids do, mostly the Shriver kids. Although there's one proposal that they set up a house next to a hospital for mothers who right. have babies in the hospital. So the babies can get more attention from the mm-hmm. mothers. So that's that's good. And that's kind of a long-term thing that they do. But mostly Eunice sees this as a failed program this this did not work really work to get the kennedy grandkids initiative of the grandkid to really come up with a workable idea and throw themselves all in and i wonder that the next generation that they didn't really feel that same urgency or the same duty that she grew up feeling so she had promised them funding and and the staff and you know they had to also do it in tandem with an existing foundation to teach them how to work with institutions with institutions that was important to her that they learn because if you have institutional power you just are right that's important that you can go a lot farther your dollar goes a lot farther how to get things done so she was teaching them you're going to have to work hard you're going to have to learn about government structures and basically how to get things done and not everybody was on board with that here now is a good time to update kind of the Shriver children. 
sort of are standing out amongst the Kennedy cousins. Um, Maria marries Arnold Schwarzenegger. I really want to know more about that. I don't I think know. we have time to get into that. But I know. I feel so like... So curious. Like, how did that happen? I don't oh, know. Oh, it's interesting. Yeah. It wasn't all 100%. I know Maria was kind of... Had to... Had to advocate a little bit some hoops yeah yeah because it was not the direction but she really wanted to carve out her own way yeah she did although so ironically of course he becomes a republican governor (laughs) of california right so eunice is right in there and she's like all right arnold foot in the door (laughs) good for you arnold now you make sure that with all these austerity measures you Mm -hmm. do not cut programs that help children with intellectual disabilities which i just think is so funny she's just like man talk about a dog with a bone yes no opportunity is wasted yep and then tim marries a yale lawyer who ends up working on child neglect and abuse cases and he goes into teaching nonviolent problem solving strategies in the inner city and mark ends up running for congress and has to break the news to his mother that he will be running as an abortion rights candidate and she says, okay, fine. I just want you to talk to John Casey, who's a pro-life Democrat. And Mark says, all right, mom, fine. I'll talk to Casey. And within like a minute, the phone was ringing and it was John Casey on the other line to talk to Mark. <laughs> like there was no lag time Eunice at all. Have, yeah. Eunice is like, yes, right. Confident. I mean, right now is what I was talking about. Yes. But she still, she still campaigned with him. Like she said, fine, you've had that conversation. She went door to door for him and said, hi, I'm Eunice Shriver. Are you going to vote for my son? That's right. People just open the door and there she is like the Avon lady. That's right. Eunice Kennedy Shriver standing right there. Oh, she loves a good campaign. Mm -hmm. So she also, this whole time, she's she's lobbying against budget cuts that would affect the communities that she's advocating for. Mm -hmm. So this is also where she starts really mentoring people and giving them her lobbying strategy that whole walk in the door oh yeah you know don't take up their time she would show them how to have these one-page summaries of their issue that you would hand to the senator right congressman you know you would she she just started to teach them and that is one of her lasting legacies is there are still people today who were mentored under her who are currently doing big things in Washington. Absolutely. So it seems like nothing can slow Eunice and Sarge down, but they're dealing with some health problems. Sarge is, he's had a heart bypass and prostate cancer in 1988. And not much longer, 1991, Eunice has a really serious car accident where the responders, they cut her from the wreckage. She has cuts, internal injuries, two broken arms, shattered hip and an elbow. And basically what this means for Eunice is that she's going to do her work from home. She's still working. I can't even imagine the logistics of the two broken arms, like what her aides had to deal with there. But she is trying her best. She knows she has to preserve everything that she's achieved. And she needs to definitely make sure that the next generation can take up the reins and keep charging ahead and getting things done. So on she forges. Yes, she is unstoppable almost. At one of her last galas that she hosts, she says, In a strange way, perhaps, my life also includes being lucky in the adversity I encountered. 
I am lucky that it, that I am lucky that I experienced the sting of rejection as a woman who was told that the real power was not for me. I am lucky that I saw my mother and my sister Rosemary treated with most unbearable rejection. I am lucky that I have had to confront political and social injustice all over the world throughout my career. You might say, why are you lucky to have had such difficult experiences? The answer is quite simple. The combination of the love of my family and the awful sting of rejection helped me develop the confidence I needed to believe that I could make a difference in a positive direction. It's really that simple. Love gave me confidence and adversity gave me purpose. Wow. That's such a great little... She's so honest there. Yes. I, I feel because, you know, the a lot of the adversity she's talking about came from her family, but she still right. felt loved by her family. Right. Um, but it kind of sums up her. It, well, it, it explains well, how she ethic. saw herself. Yes. Yes. It's such an interesting insight. Like you don't often get to hear her speak about herself in, no. a, in a very personal way. So it's. Yeah, you don't. So she and Ted die. Only 10 days apart. Gosh. And I kind of love the dichotomy of their two funerals. Right. I I thought that was really interesting because Ted, of course, he has like the the whole cathedral, the whole state ceremony and everything. And hers is... is And he's then buried in Arlington Cemetery next to his brother's. He lies in state at the, uh, I think at the JFK Presidential Library. And she has this much more private funeral at the Cape. Right. And I think that for me, what really sums it up is that she has some of her Special Olympic athletes attending. And in this really amazing gesture, they they kind of toss their medals instead of, you know, when you, you take a handful of soil, you know, and as they're lowering her coffin, they toss the medals in with her. And I think that probably to her would have been the most important medals that she ever received. Yes. It's just so beautiful. Yeah. And the difference between Ted's legacy and her legacy, not that he didn't do good things, just no, that he achieved much. I don't think you get like the, the same warm fuzzies. Do you like, no, not that Eunice, I mean, she would have shrugged off warm fuzzies too. She wasn't like that kind of a person. But I feel like she was, in all of her energy and her brusqueness and her craziness, you just saw this deep, deep empathy and love for others that really sets her apart in in her family. Like many people had a sense of duty or it was the right thing to do or it was part of your political career to do so. Or your image. Right. And she knew what was right and wrong, not just because her parents taught her, but because her faith taught her and informed her so much. Right. Such. Can you imagine having all that privilege, all that money Mm -hmm. and working as hard as she did? Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm sorry. I would not have done it. I (laughs) do Like, I just would not have... She worked at right. breakneck speed her whole life, she was advocating so with urgency right, for the causes she found compelling. And yes. she didn't have to lift a, a pinky 
She could have easily just she could have gone been from pleasure to pleasure. Decorative, dutiful wife, you know, like Rose intended, where she would, you know, know where to to set her spoons and forks and how to speak to you at a party and things like that. And she just really blew all of that out of the water. She exceeded, I think, any expectation that her parents had ever oh, set for her. Absolutely, she exceeded those expectations. But she even exceeded. She de- she defies definition. She's she really kind of just her own. In fact, that's what I want to close with. Maria Shriver says this about her mother, which I think is a perfect closing. She was a woman who didn't choose. And women are often told you have to choose to be this or that. This kind of woman. You have to dress this way. Talk this way. You have to have one opinion. Well, mummy wasn't like that. She didn't choose. She let all the different parts of her go out, and that's what made her unique. She didn't allow herself to be tamed or contained. She achieved herself, her true, authentic self. The very same woman who made grown men quake in their boots when she stepped foot on Capitol Hill was the very same woman who spent quality time with each and every one of us, making us feel loved, making us believe in ourselves. So that is a wrap. We sincerely hope that you have grown in knowledge and appreciation for Eunice Kennedy Shriver, as we did while reading about her. Initially, I wanted to do an episode on Rosemary Kennedy because I found her story so compelling. But as we discovered back in episode two or three, her story ends abruptly. So Christina had suggested Eunice Kennedy, and I am so glad she did because I had never heard of her and I had no idea that she in some ways is the end of Rosemary Kennedy's story. She was a genuine surprise to us in so many ways, um, challenging us, delighting us, and what a joy to be able to share our friendship with her, with you. Now, we will be coming back at you with a new subject after we hit the books for a little while. We have an ongoing list of people that we want to cover, but we would love your input as well. So, if you would like to comment on our Facebook page, Once Upon a Lifetime Podcast, go over there and leave us a message with suggestions of subjects. Or you can always shoot us an email at host at onceuponalifetimepodcast.com. We want to send out our deepest thanks to Evan Crestor for mixing and editing this episode. And please don't forget to join us next time for Once Upon a Lifetime.